0: Hello, this is Dr. Ned Hallowell, and welcome to Dr. Hallowell's wonderful world of different. As we head into this podcast series, I've been having a wonderful time interviewing wonderfully interesting people who talk about difference in a wonderful variety of ways. And today's guest is certainly no exception. I will let her tell you about herself, I'll simply let you know that her name is Kim, and she's coming to us all the way from Aberdeen, Scotland, quite a few miles across the pond, as they say. She has quite an interesting story. So rather than using my tired old words, let me let Kim herself tell you about herself. Kim, welcome to The Wonderful World of Different.
1: Um thank you so much Dr. Net. and it's 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 my it's my pleasure to be here as well.
0: How would you how would you describe your difference?
1: Well, to to me really I don't I don't see my myself as as different, but because I don't belong to the normal identity as a as society would call it. I'm a transgender woman. So basically how it is is I'm I was born male. The doctor identified me as male. But then as I grew up, I've realized that I'm actually not a male. I'm a woman. People see that as, as different because I don't, I don't conform to the normal gender as what society dictates. I guess that's how I am being different.
0: When did you realize, as you put it, that you were not a male?
1: As far as I can remember, I was probably five when I first figured it out. So I grew up with my grandparents. I'm very close to my grandmother to be specific. There was a point that I have to, I'm sorry if this is a bit elaborate, but I have to use the toilet. And um, My grandmother was saying like, you don't do that because only women do that. And I was like, um, what's uh, women? She started describing and I was like, mm, okay, that's that's how I felt. You know. Uh-huh. And then since then I've been seeing myself as a woman and all that. But obviously my, my parents had to dress dress me up as a boy, or they would tell me no, you're you're a boy and all that. So you know that's that's where the confusion started. So um, you were
0: you were feeling like a girl when you were five years old, but you yeah. were told that no, you're a boy.
1: Yes, yeah.
0: Okay. And and you were sent to school dressed as a boy. Yeah. What was that like?
1: To be honest, it it felt like there's that feeling that when you see your friends, like I have more female friends than, than male friends. And then, you know, sometimes there's that, why can they wear that and I can't? And, you know, why can they grow their hair and I can't? Or sometimes, you know, that point where they have to segregate the the male or the female and the the male and even my 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 friends they would like oh line up here you know because you're female anyway but if i would say it right now it's kind of upsetting but then back then you don't really understand you know like you don't have the full understanding of what's what's going on
0: but you you go through grade school and into high school still having to play this the charade, right? I mean, uh, dressing like a boy and feeling like a girl.
1: Yeah, but it, uh, it it started. I think I started really showing my feminine side in 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 terms of dressing up when I was when I was in high school. Again, I have a lot of female friends who would then invite me for a party you know like birthday and all that and then I would I would secretly get one of my mom's clothes and, and all that and then I would I would wear that in the party and then when when I come home I would change again into my male clothes that's how then i realized I just don't feel that I, I belong to that kind of spectrum of, the, you know, the cross-dressing, because I, I really feel like I, I should be wearing that, but I just I just can't because they're telling me not to.
0: Mm-hmm. So, As you began to develop sexually, were you attracted to both genders or, or more to men?
1: No, I'm actually fascinated by the, the masculine look. So, mm-hmm. although I have not had a, a real intimate relationships when I reach like 22, 23. Mm -hmm. That's when I I started like dating, or seeing guys, but I've always been fascinated by the masculine look. That's really how I I see it.
0: When did your parents accept you as a woman?
1: I came out, I I came out when I was 18. Mm -hmm. I remember I came out drunk because that's (laughs) that's how really sometimes, you know, that's how sometimes you really get more confidence when you're speaking. And when when you're drunk, you're not really afraid of of, of anything. Right.
0: right. Um,
1: Yeah. So I came home and then actually back then, back in the Philippines, when, you know, like during this time when I came out, the transgender word or transsexual word is not really kind of commonly used so it's either you're a male a female a tomboy if you're a lesbian or a gay if you're transgender whatever a, a gay man or you're still called gay so um
0: this I, I is came in the, in the Philippines where you grew up so they, so they didn't have a vocabulary for
1: no yeah. so like the, the the LGBT is kind of a, a new thing too. To, to Philippines then this was like in in 2008 uh-huh. I believe that, that I came out uh-huh. but I came out as a gay although I know like I don't really identify myself as as a gay because for me I've done some of the research and I don't really belong to that to that gay spectrum plus as well I studied psychology so,
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so I kind of I kind of have an, an idea of of what the different ident- identities and that's how actually I discover the word transsexualism or transgender
0: uh-huh, uh-huh.
1: So, yeah so that's that how then I've realized like okay so this is more like how I identify myself I, I came out when I was I was 18 my parents my mom especially she was so devastated when she, she heard about it my stepdad as well they were so against it because again we're my background we're a very religious conservative Asian Latin family mm-hmm. so there's that very religious culture. They
0: they thought this was a sin?
1: Yeah. At some point, at some point, I have an aunt who said that you're definitely going to go to hell (laughs) <laughs> that oh, wow. yeah that you know if you're not going to change you're not going to go to heaven and all that and you know it, it's it's kind of upsetting because sometimes they they really use that as a way to to tell you that you're you're wrong and then I felt like I don't see it as a sin
0: yeah it, it wasn't right or wrong you were just saying what you felt your
1: core you yeah exactly but you know again having that very conservative religious ideology sometimes they they tend to forget the the reality that that's, right. that's real. Right. You know? right
0: right right <laughs> well so you continued on your journey and and did you uh
1: when i came out and then um that, that's the time that i was in university i was doing my my psychology degree people telling me that i'm, I'm different i'm banking on it positively instead of of, of negatively mm-hmm. I know that sometimes, you know, especially for, for LGBT people, when, when you get that discrimination, when you get that lack of support from your pa- family, it can be very devastating. You know, it can even, you know, sadly end your life because, you know, like, because they, they, they just can't accept the fact that their, their family can't support them. Yeah. But for, for, for me, it's like, I guess I use that as a motivation to, to prove them wrong. I use me being different as a tool to be successful in my own way. So I I pursued my 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 studies because I was told that if if you're going to be gay, you won't be able to finish school. You won't be able to have a degree.
0: This is because, still in the Philippines. You were in school in the Philippines, uh-huh.
1: Yeah. Cuz um it, it's quite common especially around the 80s 90s early in, in in philippines like most lgbt people they end up working in a salon in a beauty spa or whatever because again you know it's not because of lack of education but it's because of discrimination because you're gay because you're lesbian you can't have an office job so you know that that's their thinking so i was like no i'm going i'm going to prove you wrong that you know i can actually have a degree, you know, mm-hmm, I can mm-hmm. I can I can provide you a diploma if you want. So I did that. I finished my four year psychology degree. And then three days after my graduation, I then went on to my first job. But it wasn't really the job that I thought I would have because um I I I then I, I applied for a big company. It's a global company. I'm not just gonna mention it. I applied as an HR, but I have to turn down the offer because it's either they would give me the job or I would have to wear a female, a male uniform. Mm. And I was like, I, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And then, but they said like, you work in HR, so you can't be feminine. You can't be different. Yeah. So it's like, okay. So I was like, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. And then I was then told, then uh, there was a, a friend who I worked in when I did my internship she works in HR. She said, like, would you consider working in a call center? I was like, okay, what is it like? And it was like, well, it's it's an it's an open environment. You know, you can be whoever you want as long as you perform. Mm-hmm. You, as long as you you do your sales, you do your customer service, then you're good to go. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, let me try that. And then, yeah, that's that's my first job. I got it. And then I moved to another company and then I I've, I've got promoted as a supervisor. So that's Another proof that I can get a career. And then lastly, I was told that because of my identity, I can't have a family. So I was like, okay, maybe in the Philippines, yeah, because the way how our our culture dictates family is that it should only be male and female and not same sex.
0: But you were still still anatomically male, correct?
1: Yes. Okay. And
0: you were dressing like a woman or like a man or...
1: I'm dressing like a woman.
0: Okay. So you you were a you were a male dressing like a woman.
1: Yeah. And
0: were you dating men?
1: Yes. Okay. But this was again back back in in, in Philippines. So
0: your 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 culture was pretty hostile to who you were becoming or who you were.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm even even up to this point, health providers, they don't know how to support. The LGBT people, like or, right. or especially the the, the transgender people. Right, you probably My, had to you probably had to explain to them. Yeah, so I I remember because I started transitioning when I was twenty two. That's when I started taking female hormones, uh-huh. but these are like more into in the, in the form of contraceptive pills. Uh-huh. You know, so it has like a a, a little bit of estrogen it has a little bit of progesterone you know which which helps you feminize your body right so, yeah that's what i've been doing and you can just you can just get it over the counter in the philippines and then not until i've, I've done all my research and i was like oh you can you cannot actually self-medicate you know it's actually not good i i've I realized so then i started reading sources from the u.s from the uk you know how they do the hormone replacement therapy blah blah, blah. Uh-huh. so they- I went to a private, this is what, this was with my work. I went to a private. Sorry
0: sorry to interrupt, but you had no guidance. You had no role model. You had, you were just what you could learn over the internet or. No,
1: not, not really like in a structured way of the hormone replacement process. So I know a lot, I know a lot in, in Philippines though, like there are many, Beauty queens, like trans beauty queens, who they inject like uh-huh. whatever it is that they can find over the counter, or from other country that they could source out. Mm-hmm. But it's not really like it controlled. You just pop the pill and you know just pray that you won't get ill or whatever. So I was like, I was so concerned. So I was like, okay, maybe I I need to make sure that I'm safe, you know, whilst I'm, I'm doing this because I've been hearing as well that back then that if you've got too much of estrogen, it could, you could develop breast cancer. And so I was like, okay, I, I don't want to put my life at risk. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll go to a private doctor, have my blood test done and, and what, whatever that's needed to, to make sure that my hormone levels are correct and all that. And then they couldn't do it. And there's like we don't do that. We can just do a, a normal blood count, whatever, you know, and it's like, oh, you don't have a, that kind of system in place. And they were like, no, this was in 20, 2014, 2015, I remember. Wow. Yeah. So I, I only had my proper hormone replacement therapy when I moved to the UK. So you literally
0: had to give up your country to get the help you needed.
1: Yeah. I gave up the country. I moved here and also I moved here to, to get married. So yeah, that's the last bit of my, me proving to my family that I can get three of those things that.
0: And how did you meet the man you married?
1: So we met online, online dating is a, a big thing in the Philippines. I remember, well, he, he's, he's the third relationship I've, I've had like a proper relationship, like courting face to uh-huh. you know see uh-huh. me other. all of of my serious relationships were foreign non-filipinos that i would say yeah. so this this man that i, I i'm well, my husband he's my my third partner and we met online did um, you see british in, in one he is a naturalized british yeah uh-huh. Uh-huh. yeah he then visited me after three months of chatting And then in one year, everything happened, happened so fast. And he said, like, move to the UK. Then he he told me you can actually live your life as a woman there. The government has this. They offer name change, gender change without having to go through the actual surgery. You know,
0: it's much more enlightened culture than the Philippines.
1: Yeah, because so I was like, okay, well, I didn't have really any, any issues in Philippines, because we exist. It's just that we're not supported by the government. We're not right. supported by anything.
0: Right.
1: When my husband presented the idea, I was like, oh, that's, that's actually nice, too. So I get the love of my life. And at the same time, I've got to live my life. So,
0: so <laughs> such a wonderful story. It, it's uh, And yeah, did you so- move on to have surgery?
1: Two years ago I've been I diagnosed by I was diagnosed with gender dysphoria.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So then that's how I started with my HRT. Like Mm -hmm. my, my proper hormone replacement, you know, and every six months they've been checking my blood, my, my hormone level. Mm -hmm. And then the last phase of my transition would be my, my gender reassignment, which I am now as well in, in a waiting list. So just, just because of COVID it's a long list (laughs) and, and we don't have much of a provider here around in the UK and none in Scotland. So it's mostly in England. So, So they're catering the whole country. So I could, I could imagine their, their long list of people waiting for their gender affirmation.
0: Do you plan with your husband to adopt children or not?
1: I have plans. I guess I I just have to say that I am now going through divorce. So <laughs> that's another big thing in my life right now. So if you're going to ask me with with a husband or not, I'm I'm looking to really have a a child of my own. I could adopt.
0: That's, that's what I that's- yeah. But are you, so you're divorcing this man that you moved to mar- to marry?
1: Yeah, currently we're we're going through the process of of that. Yeah, it's it's a it's a roller coaster in the past. You, you said
0: he was the love of your life.
1: I thought he was. That's why I, I moved here. But then I've I realized that the situation has changed. The life I was promised was not really real.
0: <laughs> so. Uh, uh
1: yeah so i i know it it's quite it's quite a big news it's quite a it's quite a complicated ride for me but i'm dealing with it
0: how how are you dealing with it
1: well, at the moment it's quite tough it's hard you know because i've i've never been i've never been married plus um i don't have any family here you know right, all, right. all my family back in in the philippines and it's it's right. it's a big event in my in my life i should say yeah and, and plus, the way how the, the marriage ended in a, in a tragic, I should say, way. So, how, um, what
0: was tragic?
1: We've been together for six years. We've, uh, we've been married for four years. And then recently, or starting, it started, started last year, actually, I, I, I've realized that I cannot live my life as a trans woman because his family doesn't know. He's afraid that his friends would know. And then me being a trans woman and living in a city where a lot of people from his original country, he thinks that it might be a risk, a security risk for me. And he doesn't want that to happen to me. And so I was like, okay, so I was like living in fear because of my identity. Mm. And I thought like, okay, I'd rather just keep it secret. But it doesn't help it doesn't help psychologically it doesn't help with my well-being of course yeah it's like I'm I'm living a double life especially yeah. then when I, when I when I met my friends when I started knowing people from the Philippines as well obviously there's there's no way that I could hide my identity to them because you know their eyes are trained to see trans woman right. when I'm with my friends you really see the the authentic me but mm-hmm. then Mm -hmm. When I'm out with his friends or with his family, you know, I'm trying to put myself back in the closet and be a different person. And Mm -hmm. sometimes no, it gets tiring. And the fact that you're told you cannot show my dad your passport, you cannot show any document that would out you. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, so it's kind of sad. And then, so I had my gender dysphoria, which then no questions asked, because, you know, I've, I've transitioned for like, 11 years now. So, yeah. you, you know, so there's really no turning, turning point. I've done a lot of feminizing surgery and that. the last step was really the, the gender affirmation, you know, the, the, the surgery, the last bit of it to be done. So I had my second consultation for second opinion with two other psychologists. I just have to say that I don't want to do it, but to me, I really would want to do it, but I, I didn't want to do it because doesn't approve it for him. It's like it's not his preference.
0: So him meaning your husband. Yeah. You had to say you don't want to have the surgery.
1: I told the, the psychologist like in the beginning, I told them I want to do it, but because it might affect my marriage. So I'm, I'm willing to, to, to sacrifice that and, and not just do it. Initially, they didn't do the referral.
0: So then I don't un- I don't understand, Kim. Why would he not want you to become a woman? I mean, he
1: he does not see the point of me having to do the surgery because that would then defeat the purpose of me being a transgender woman, because a transgender woman should still have the extra bit. And I was like and I was so like, if, you, if you're going to cut that, what's a, what's. I'm what's,
0: sorry, I just have to get a little bit graphic. He thinks a transgender woman should have a penis.
1: Yes. Why? Cuz for him it's like what's the difference of a transgender woman to an to to a cisgender woman with a vagina? And I was like, well, it's all in the brain. It doesn't mean that if I'm getting the surgery, they're gonna rewire my brain too. That I will become a cisgender woman. Physically, I'm going to change. Yeah, obviously, but it doesn't change my identity. I'm I'm still going to be me. But, so, would,
0: but would he? Did he prefer sexual relations with an anatomical male?
1: No, he would say that he would never. He would never engage in any sexual activities with a male. you. But, know? You,
0: but you were having sex with him correct
1: yeah and yes you were,
0: you were anatomically male
1: yes <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit confusing isn't it <laughs> i know like I mean to me it's like yeah that's the thing you know like he's using that it's kind of like a psychological abuse as i i, I would say it you know like oh. in, in a way you know because like it's making me feel guilty it's making me feel ashamed of my decisions to make and at the same time it's like withholding me from my independence or from my from from my choices
0: is that what you meant by the tragic end to, to the marriage
1: I think that's the I cannot really understand I didn't mind the other reasons of why we broke up but I guess the fact that I cannot be still who I want
0: yeah
1: it's that feeling it's that You know, the recollection of my past then happens again when my parents restricted me from doing this and doing that, you know, just because of my identity.
0: And now he's doing the same thing.
1: And that's what he does not understand. To a point where I am labeled as selfish because of my own decisions. I'm getting my surgery. I'm getting other things that I want. And I'm only thinking about myself that maybe I'm not ready to get married. So I was like, okay.
0: Well, I would say if he really loved you, he'd want you to be true to yourself and be who you really want to be.
1: Yeah, that's what I thought, too. You know, I mean, again, that's the life I was promised, you know, yeah, because yeah. me being different, I was like, OK, maybe maybe in the UK, me being different would not be a difference anymore, you know? because then I can I can live my life. I can be who I am. But then when I moved here, I was told like, oh, no, you can't say this. You can't show this
0: you know i was Hmm. like
1: okay that's actually as well pushed me to raise awareness about trans people you know that is is
0: that the full story of the tragic end
1: no so the, the the last thing that happened really why we split up is because it involved physical abuse you know like physical assault we had an argument and then, obviously, you know, three days of argument, so our, our brains are not working properly anymore. You know, like we've not been eating, we've not been sleeping properly. So then, it, you know, it it ended in a in a physical assault, which actually, surprisingly, he's been acquitted. So, <laughs> I am just very devastated right now. But oh, that's why he beat you up? No, it's not the reason, but. There's, there are other underlying reasons that led us to that situation. So during our relationship, again, you know, I cannot be myself. I cannot make any decisions. I feel so un- invalidated. I started getting validation from other people. So that means I engaged in, I wasn't being honest to him. I wasn't loyal. Maybe I was loyal, but I managed to cheat on him, which I wasn't really proud of that for a person like me to resort into that kind of behavior is just awful because that's not really my my being that's not my my character but because what happened to me in our relationship gave me the reasons to do it you know because i you know again i cannot decide for myself i cannot do things as i would want to even for myself there's always that guilt feeling if I have to spend money through his credit card because I don't have my own bank account (laughs) or I didn't have my own bank account. And then that feeling as well, you know, sometimes you're being told like, Oh, just because you're not good in math or you're not good in numbers. These are like small things, but these can really have a long-term impact on someone's self-esteem, someone's self-worth. Plus I think, there was really an opportunity for me as well to experience life because he's 38, I'm 31. But we were so busy saving up for our future, which is for our retirement, which is like, let's say 19 years ahead. And we're not even sure if we we were going to reach that age. But we're too busy with that, that we're forgetting our life now. And when the opportunity presented like I found someone who just didn't really worry about life too seriously there's a balance of of it
0: so now that you're splitting up with him how how are you going to support yourself
1: well I'm still employed so that's one reason as well actually sure. that okay. I've realized that I was told why is he not allowing you to have your financial independence you're working for it you're working so you have every right to do it So I was like, yeah, so now I am, I am restarting my life. I am doing the life that I've started when I was, again, it's, I'm kind of like reliving that memory again, when I, when I came out with my parents, when I was 18. And then that's how then I, I started like,
0: but you're, you're also working to raise awareness. You're working to help others so they won't have to suffer Yeah, you had to suffer. Yeah. You're a remarkable woman you you really are it's an amazing story of personal courage and and not a whole lot of support from the outside world
1: yeah yeah that's that that's true and then actually i'm i'm just so glad as well that this happened and i am now in in the uk because at least here i feel that i am supported you know like i have although the case did not really turn into my favor, but right. you know, at least I still have that that support from charities like LGBT communities supporting me. Again, if this had happened in Philippines, I probably would not get the same support. We're,
0: we're almost out of time. Is there a, a charity if listeners wanted to contribute? Do you have a charity you'd like them to give to, or do you have a is there any organization that you're particularly champion
1: well i I don't have a a charity that that i am actively involved um Uh at the moment in in Uh the uk but i have i'm very much involved in in our work pride network so we mostly support our employees who identified as, as lgbt people i'm actually as well supporting a lot of trans rights advocacy and as well you know raising awareness about transgender people
0: as i said you're a remarkable woman and a real inspiration to have dealt with all of this i i, I yeah, can't yeah. thank you enough for taking the time and talking so openly and honestly about who you yeah. are and yeah. who you are who you are becoming i'm so impressed and i'm i'm sure our listeners are as well yeah If I'm just going to say a few closing words, if any of you have questions or comments about this show or any other shows, please send your questions and comments to different at Hallowellcenter.org. And we'd love to hear your questions. We'll start answering questions on the air. We'd love show ideas. If you liked Kim's story, please write to us about that again, different at Hallowellcenter.org. Kim, just can't thank you enough. You're a wonderful extraordinary woman and and a real inspiration
1: all right no problem well thank you so much as well for giving me the opportunity to be heard and it's my pleasure